This is Founders Talk. I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This show is all about awesome, in-depth, one-on-one, personal conversations with founders. This is episode number 36, recorded June 27th, 2012, and today's guest is Sarah Hatter, the founder of CoSupport. Enjoy the show. I'm here with Sarah Hatter, and she is just an awesome person. I've been having a conversation before this actually began, um, so I feel like you guys have missed out on some cool stuff we've been talking about. But nonetheless, uh, she is the founder of, of CoSupport, among many other things. And Sarah, I'm sure I can't do your intro much justice about who you are, so maybe let's just start off with a bit, uh, uh, maybe just who you are in a gist. Yeah, you said many other things, and I'm like, what else? I don't even know. <laughs> what well, you're else you're a podcaster. You're a speaker. A you're a founder. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, many things. I'm a, I'm a you know lover of the sea. I'm a crafter. Uh, <laughs> a lover of the sea. So, what does a lover of the sea do? She, does to, she swim? Yeah, I do swim. Well, yeah, I like I like being by the water. I think it's I think it has something to do with like my emotional center is by the water. Water is a very symbolic thing. I'm really cheesy about metaphors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. I laugh a lot, mostly in really inappropriate moments. This is starting to sound like a dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> is there such thing as podcast dating? I don't know about that. I, I'm not sure, but that might lead into you know a joke we had a little fun with before we actually got on the call, which is you had a, a little tag on your Twitter avatar for a bit there. Not sure if anybody has caught that, but uh, feel free to riff on that if you like as well. It's gone, and I, I was sort of waiting to see how long people would see it. You know, there's this there's this app. Shoot, I wish I knew. Remember the name of it. You can put like a word on your Twitter avatar and then change it, and it updates it really quickly for you. And so I I was joking on this sort of concept that. I'm a single female tech founder, like in this bro industry, right? So I put single on there. And I couldn't believe, I mean, I couldn't believe, number one, how many people notice it, like this tiny 10 by 10 pixel square <laughs> who can read it. Like I'm thinking, gosh, these guys have good eyesight. Maybe I should date them, right? But no, it was just a joke based on my experience in the industry. Like when I spoke at Less Comp the first year, like I spoke at Less Comp in 2011, I got off the stage, we had like an after party, and the number one question I asked was, are you single? It's <laughs> just like... I just gave a talk. I just gave a talk about stuff on the internet. But, you know, I think our industry is really just one big speed dating event at this point. Well, it's it's kind of, I mean, this I mean, this isn't exactly the the topic of the show, but we're on a kind of a little riff here, but it's been happening more and more often. You you see what might seem to be respectful companies out there doing some unrespectful things to uh, just women in general or some sort of way of putting them in a certain light and it's just not cool. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm going to go on a, you know, on a rant here and just say that, you know, Sarah, you're, you're one of two women that have been on this show and that's not by, uh, you know, not by me trying to do that. It's just happened to be the way the chips fell. It's, you know, yeah. I'm not, but a, I'm also like how many other female tech founders can you name? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hate to even say it like that because I might get put in that, you know, programmer no, category mean, the moment no. I say an opinion. But I'm a female and I'm saying it. I, I can't name any other one. Well, there's like, not too many. There's certainly some good ones. Actually, uh, the founders of Guilt, uh, I've got her book. She sent me the book. She's supposed to come on the show. I've been working with her, her PR team to get, get her on the show. And, you know, that just takes time sometimes. But there's some there's some really good companies that have been started by women and it's 
I think it's uh, it's unfair that you get to walk off stage and the first question is not, you know, hey, tell me more about how you did that. Instead, it's like, you well, know, you want to go out for a too. date. I mean, come on. It's funny. It's funny at this point, right? It's it's funny. Well, I, it's a bro industry, and I've been in it for, gosh, 15 years now, 10, 15 years. Yeah. So I worked at a company where I was the only female for forever years, and imagine that. I mean, with the, that's, you know. That's going to be tough, yeah. It's tough. It's tough when you have a, a, a strong opinion about something and people tell you you're being dramatic. You know, that's yeah. tough, but that's ingrained in our culture, and that's something that's, you know, we kind of do to ourselves. And, you know, the other, the other thing, too, is, like, I'm putting myself in this industry, so I know what to expect, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to complain about it, and I don't think any of it's really intentional. I don't think that people hate They're women. Facts. In the They're just facts. It's, it's just facts, yeah. you know. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, and I never, ever decided, like, I'm going to be a female tech founder. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> have the corner in the market on female tech founding. But I started my company, and then, gosh, maybe, like, six months later, I real I kind of had that realization. Like, gosh, all of the really smart, intelligent, witty, strong women that I know work for companies. They don't run their companies, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I don't know. I don't, and I, I also like, I'm not of that generation or that sort of whatever you want to call it society, if you will, of people that are like, we need women speaking at conferences. We should just hire any woman who can talk. Just you know, for the like, sake of it, right? Just for the sake of it. Like, no, hire quality people who are right. educated and who can be educators and who are great in their field and who excel in their field. Like, have them talk. And this is the thing. If we don't rise up in the community ourselves, then, you know, maybe we're not that great. <laughs> maybe we need to get a little better at what we do. So, I don't know. That's going to get me in trouble for saying that. But I, I certainly believe it, you know. There's a lot of great women designers out there, but yeah. if if they're not being, you know, if it's just Frank Shamara and Jason Santa Maria and no women, like whose fault is that? It's not necessarily the guy's fault just because they were there and they do the same job. Right, right. You know? So certainly a deep topic and, and not exactly. I know, diving. we don't need to go into I don't even know why we started talking about that. That just be, that just became like super philosophical. We don't need to talk about that anymore. We don't need to talk about my dating life either. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of how we got there too. Was just the fact that you know, uh, you know, woman, and, you know, kind of on her own, in, in a, for lack of better terms, in this in this industry. And then at the same time, I wanted to throw in there and I'm the all fact alone that in life. <laughs> no, I mean it's not like I'm undateable, Adam. It's not like I'm just this horrible person. Like I dated a guy just until recently. I dated a guy, but and he was in our industry too. But I think that's the other problem is I don't want to date people in our industry. Like this guy was a VC. He was like literally a venture capitalist. Well, that's the wrong kind of person to date in this I industry because I'm actually married to a, a phenomenal woman in this industry. She's not a tech founder. She's a phenomenal designer. Uh, she just started a brand new job yesterday doing some awesome work, hey, awesome. awesome design work. And, you know, I would encourage you to just look at it at a different light because I totally do. we have conversations no, that I are totally geeking don't. out. But <laughs> – you know, we don't sit there and like if I we're, we're laying in bed at night, you know, she's on Facebook or on Twitter or doing something like that. And she's like, oh, did you see this new design? Or last night she was uh, talking about 
uh, Jessica Heisch to speak of a very good, well-known woman designer. Yeah. Um, you know, she was like, oh, they, you know, she met this guy on Match, and it's, you know, it's it's just really funny how she was talking about a designer who, you know, I totally am a fan of her design, so we have that relationship. But again, that's that's part of the story of Founders Top, but not exactly diving deep into your past and what makes <laughs> you tick. And I'm sure that's why everybody's listening. They're like, would you get on with it already? I know, right? Get on with it. You said you're going to have a conversation, but geez. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was like the first twenty minutes or fifteen minutes or oh something my like that. Gosh, yeah, no, I'm sorry, no, no well, big deal. Yeah. So anyway, I run this company. We teach people how to do great support. I speak at conferences about how, what, why support matters, like why customer support matters, why customer support is marketing, and you know we work with people. Uh, historically, we work with people that build web and mobile apps that have a team of less than ten people that are, you know, small groups. See, I'm going into my conference. Did you notice I went into like I did. I totally channeled it right there. That was good. Totally channeled it. I know. So (laughs) we've historically been working with those smaller teams, but now we're realizing that there's actually bigger market out there because where is crappy, horrible customer support coming from? It's coming from these big companies, right? It's coming from these big companies that are infiltrating the way that we work online. So those are the people now that I'm I'm wanting to reach out to a little bit more and doing some more work with these larger companies and trying to tell them like get out of my Pinterest and I, saw, I saw that one. That was a that was a oh. good blog post and I, um you might even be, you know, still hot on the press with what you were talking about with I think it yeah, was ADT well, even. Like you were just oh like hunting them down. ADT is the worst company I've ever experienced. I've been an ADT customer for forever, right? And so there's this whole debacle with ADT I'm not going to go into. But the the gist of it is their customer service was so horrible. Their customer service was actually, like, offensive to me. And I told the guy, like, I got to the point where, like, corporate Twitter, you know, corporate Twitter account is wanting to talk to me and they're calling me on the phone. And I'm telling you, like, do you listen to how you're speaking to me right now? Like, I can't even, I'm like, I'm actually offended with how you're speaking to me. Well, give me an example just, of something they were saying to you. So, um, I was really annoyed because all I want to be able to do is control my alarm system by my iPhone, right? This is the future. This is the, today, this is the day that Marty McFly went to, to the future to. Right? They said that. I think I heard that was a that was a faux thing. Though. Like that's yeah. been done the well, past I know couple it's a years. Faux thing, but I'm just saying he went to the future. Yeah, <laughs> it's future day today, by the way, everybody. It's future day. So, and they're like, well, you have to have it. This, you know, you have to have this hardwire change. And then you have to buy a a box, and this thing that you have to buy is going to be ninety nine dollars to install and one hundred ninety nine dollars to buy. But you're not really buying it from us. You're just leasing it. And I was like, okay, f word you, essentially. I don't want to do this anymore. Forget it. You guys are just driving me crazy and wasting my time. And I said, you know, I think I just want to cancel my ADT account right now because that's like ridiculous. And the guy's like, well, (laughs) you can't do that, ma'am. You've signed a contract. To which that just struck me like, oh, you don't even go there with me talking about – I sign contracts all day long, dude, right? And so I'm like, well, what's the cancellation fee if I if I cancel? And he's like, well, it's probably going to be way more than you could afford. I mean, you're single, you're living in Chicago, Whoa. right? Totally. So cross I'm like, the line. Totally cross the line. So then I'm like, okay, it's like 800 bucks, and I'm like just making my notes because I'm going to go crazy on Twitter and whatever. <laughs> ADT, get this guy's name. His name is Luke Russell, 
And then he's all, well, you know, we can definitely help you cancel, but I just tell you, I'm really going to be afraid for what may happen if you're without a security system in your home. Did you ask him why? <laughs> I didn't. I was so stunned that he would say that to me. Now, I'm stunned too, but I'm thinking the first thing I would be like, why? Why would why, you be? Luke Russell at ADT? Are you going to come to my house and try to break in while I'm sleeping? Luke Russell at ADT? <laughs> so... Anyway, I was so just pissed about it that they would threaten me like that, that they would make accusations about whatever, that they would try this whole, like, consumer bullying, you know. Like, I couldn't go down to, (laughs) you know, the office of, like, business consumer affairs and tell them I'm having this issue with ADT and escalate it so I could get out of my contract. Like, I couldn't just pay the cancellation fee, for gosh sakes. Anyway, so... This stuff bothers me. It bothers me because I'm not the only person having these experiences. I'm, I'm hypersensitive to it because I run a company where we teach people how to do customer support. I'm very hypersensitive to bad support. But the thing is, I think that we have become a culturally desensitized to bad customer service. Like we accept it like that's just what customer service is. So when a company like Zappos comes along – And I mean, what does Zappos have to offer you? They're more expensive than Amazon, right? Right. They're, you know, they don't have everything that you want all of the time. Uh, What they have to offer you is free shipping because they've made a deal with UPS because they're the largest vendor that UPS works with. So they don't even, that's not even out of pocket money for them at this point. And B, they make a big deal about how if you call them, they'll stay on the phone with you as long as you want. Like, this to me sounds like an abusive relationship where you get out of it and you're like, well, I just really want a guy to call me pretty and, and want to hang out with me sometimes and introduce me to his parents. Like, tell me where the best pizza is in San Francisco or something. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what your relationships are supposed to be like, you know? So we, we, we rave about these companies doing, in my opinion, like, minimal, minimal awesome customer support. But we're so used to these horrible experiences that we think that they're amazing and great. We should talk about them all the time. Hmm. You know? So the bar is low. The bar is so low, but we don't even realize the bar is so low. And that bothers me. Like I tell people all the time, I have so many friends that are launching products. And <laughs> it's just like this, the other day, like my friends, the inter- intercom, intercom.io, they're like a cool support tool. Right. And we are emailing back and forth and – um, I noticed in one of their new user messages, they're like, uh, please let us know if you have any feedback about the product. We'd love to hear it. And I was like, you can't, you can't ask, you can't say that word when you talk to customers because that word is like, <laughs> feedback is a terrible word. Feedback is the word that a microphone makes when it gets too close to a guitar and everyone sort of ducks and covers their head and like, you know, doesn't want to hear it anymore. And he's like, oh, Okay, (laughs) people like don't have the concept of like, we're so used to thank you for your feedback. I'm sorry for the inconvenience that one I that one is like poison to my ears, my ears shrivel up when I hear that, Mm -hmm. you know, like just be human and talk to them like real people use real words, use real words. It's like not very difficult. Thank you for your idea. Thanks for spending the time to write out this cool idea. Thanks. We'll think about it. How much better does that sound than thank you for your feedback? So, yeah, so you're, those are good examples then. So I was going to ask you for those who are thinking, okay, so what's a, a good alternative to feedback then? So what I like to do is say thanks for the idea. 
That's like the first one. Second one would be, thanks for sharing this suggestion. If you don't like using the word idea, because some people don't. I had one customer tell me that if he thanked people for their ideas, then when he would implement them, they would write him back and want to credit. Right. <laughs> so. Wow. You know, yeah. I mean, paranoid, but seriously. So yeah, that one, thanks for taking the time to share your thoughts. That's kind of a big one because sometimes people write in really detailed feature requests. And when we're talking about feature requests, you know, feature requests are Yeah, they get passionate about that stuff. I mean, They get really passionate, but why? Because they are a loyal user and they want to use your product. Like they're telling you to your face, if you do this, I will pay you money and I will <laughs> like it and I will continue to pay you money and I will help you buy a Lamborghini eventually, right? Right. But instead, you're being like, well, I'm just going to take your money and whatever. Like that's terrible. Like imagine if you went into Starbucks and there was some, you know, weird setup and you couldn't figure out where you should place your order because it was a little disorganized and you said to the cashier, oh, I was like confused about where I should order because of this. Maybe you guys should just make the line start right here. And everyone working there just turned their backs and walked away. <laughs> like that would be a horrible experience. That would be a horrible experience, right? But we do that all of the time. We don't reply to feature requests. Yeah, that's, that's say, living no, in the digital sorry. world. We forget that they're, you know, I host other, this other podcast called The Industry. And uh, this past show, I got a chance to, I don't get to philosophize too or philo- is it philosophize <laughs> or whatever, share my inner thoughts like this too often. But, I, you know, it's a design kind of related show. So it's the flip side of what sure. we're talking about here. And I was like, you know, we, we forget that when we put design on the screen or that when we do our design jobs, when we're writing that copy or we're defining an experience or whatever, that we forget that there's a human being on the other side of whatever we're going to do and create. We forget that it's a human over there. And you forget yeah. that that person like isn't in front of your face. You just forget all that because you're trying to you know create pixel perfect, beautiful, awesome, dribble, dribbleable design, and it, you forget that. Uh, I mean, you no, forget I that. I don't even know if it's a matter of we forget. I think we never knew. Yeah. I think that's even worse. Like when I talk about how desensitized we are to bad customer service, I think we're desensitized in the same way about who our customers are and that they're real people. You know, I tell people uh, when I speak and I talk about relating to your customers and, and, and how you should relate to your customers as a human being, one of the things I like to say is I know from past experience working at tech companies that didn't have the best reputations, like just don't be a dick to your customers because if you're a dick to your customers, people will remember that you're a dick, right? Right. And can I say dick? Is dick too bad? Is that too over the line? It's too late. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, like, you don't want to be a dick to your customers because, especially if you're doing software where you want people on a subscription basis or you want them using it for work, most of the time they might not get a choice about whether they use it. They may have to use it for a client or because their boss makes them use it. And so, if you're a dick to them and they can choose, yeah. they're not going to want to give you money. That's right. If they can't choose, they're going to tell people, I hate using this product, but we have to. Right? That's even worse. Ugh. That to me is even worse than someone saying, well, screw you. I'm not going to give you my money anymore. What's worse is someone saying, I have to give them their mo- my money and I hate it. I hate that I have to use this product because they're dicks to me. That's yeah. That's like resentment. You know, that's the that's the bitterness. That's the worst part of like any feeling. That's the the, the root of all evil is bitterness. <laughs> I completely. I mean, it agree. says in the Bible, really, it's the truth. I know. I completely agree. And so, you know, 
this isn't like we have to be super happy, shiny to everybody, but we can just be nice people. Be too. real. There's I think be real. Just be real and be human. And I tell people all of the time too, treat customers how you would want to be treated as a customer in the same situation. And yeah, my mom said the same thing, but she said treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah, right. right? Well, it's the same. It's the same. Same boat. Concept. None of this stuff is like revolutionary. We just haven't stressed it in our industry enough. You know, we've spent so much time broing out and drinking, you know, Rockstar and Red Bull and coding until <laughs> 3 a.m. and talking about how late we stayed up coding that we forget, you know, what's the purpose of this? The purpose may not just to be to get subscription like signups, uh, you know, on a recurring basis. It may be to improve people's work lives. It may be to improve how they have an experience online. It may be to improve, you know, we're building an app to make X better for people. Or change the world. Or change the world. And so if you're going to do that, you have to start at how you treat the people using your product. So, I mean, clearly I get very worked up about this. Yeah, I almost almost asked you what, what it was about support that gets you excited, but I think you pretty much answered that question. You know, I've been doing this for a really long time. Like my very, very first job when I was 15 years old was working, doing customer support at a company that um, sold crap on TV, like stuff you'd buy on TV, like the ShamWow. And I don't own that. You don't have the ShamWow? No, no. I'm not one of those people. Wow. I'm actually a weird person for a little while there. Actually, until six months ago, I hadn't had subscription anything, cable anything for years are you a doomsday prepper? No, no. I, I was PO'd at, uh, at Comcast. So See? just like you had, you had that. A, bet you had a bad customer experience. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Then fine. I'm gonna, it was over $10 too. It was crazy. <laughs> $10. It's not. Do you see what I mean about this? Like we, that's, that gets back to what I just said. Like yeah. People will not want to give you money regardless of how much it is. And then the thing is, is like you can still be a dick about it and laugh about the silly guy who's going crazy over $10. Or you can just be like, well, it's not really the money. It's the principle. We see that. Well, let's go into the history you were just talking about. So you were 15 years old and what, what, was, this, and what was the situation? Um, every Your first company friends, you worked at. Like, it's the first company I worked at. All of my friends worked at the same company. We'd go there after school. So from like 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock, I'd answer phones, like rolling phone calls because we knew when commercials were going to be airing. And we would like uh, – oh, the other one that was a lot of people might remember – I was the person that you would call to unlock your free fonts and graphics, like print shop deluxe. Hmm. Like on the the back of your box, I would like get you to register so we could send you more crap in the mail and then give you a code to unlock your free fonts and graphics. Um, So that's what I did. And then I was really good at on the phones. And so I got promoted to doing what they called customer service because at that point I was just like a telephone operator. And so then I would sit in a warehouse by myself with huge dot matrix printouts of people's credit card numbers and call to authorize their purchases. And then if their purchase didn't go through, I had to call the customer and tell them. (laughs) It's like the worst job ever. It was like the worst job ever in the world. So, you know, I learned a lot from the, the very beginning about customer experiences and whatnot. And then I started doing support for a tech company and, for that had like subscription services, like people paid a monthly fee to use a web app and just sort of realized that, you know, we are building a culture online in this little digital space that we have that's very similar to the culture that was as out there in retail or, you know, in hospitality or whatever, 
but we're not really focusing on the human aspect of it. Right. Right. So we're not thinking like, you know, if someone's credit cards declined, we send them an automatic billing thing. We don't have some, a 15 year old sitting in a warehouse calling them saying, Hey, your credit card didn't work or whatever. Like there's, we've lost that sort of human engagement. I wonder why. Is it just the fact that like we love automation or we love I think to, we love, I think we, I think we overdosed on automation. I think that's what we hate automation. I'm so angry about it right now. <laughs> why? Nah, I'm just thinking about that. You know, if I get my credit, I mean, the, speaking of credit card declines, I had this service way back in the day called Zumo Drive, and these guys have since sold to some other company. Their service is shutting down, and they sent me literally like eight different emails about my old account from like four years ago or whatever about my credit card being expired. Of course it's expired. You guys had my card years ago and it's expired like a year and a half ago or two years ago. Plus I thought I canceled your service anyways. Right. And if I didn't, I was just going to let it run out because my credit card expired and I didn't feel like logging in to cancel. And I emailed them and they never even emailed me back. So talk about support. Like send me a failed bill attempt and don't even respond to me. Well, you know what? Seriously, I'm noticing a trend in this too because, you know, we work with people who are small developers teams. Like we work with people mostly who are one to five on their team. Right. So let's name um, a few names before we go deep in that. I mean, who are you working with? Well, I, I don't. Yeah, Wildbit is one of them. He's been on the show. Alex. Alex. Or, yeah. Or um, Chris. Uh, let me let me check my notes. I feel bad. Chris. Chris Nagel. Yeah. yeah sorry I about think that. Alex probably came on for Indie Hall. And then Metal Labs founder. He's been on the show. Uh, Kiss Metrics. I talked to them on a different show of mine called the Web 2.0 Show from back in the day. I'm a big show. Yeah. Uh, readability is awesome. I'm a big readability fan. We can go into the re- readability debate if you want, because I worked with them and they're very good people. Well, I, I like Tina so Lax and they did the design, so I'm I'm down yeah, with it. You know, readability. The the group of those people are some of the the kindest, nicest, most creative people I've ever worked with. FYI. FYI. All right, so let's talk about <laughs> yeah, some of your customers. Flight, uh, penultimate. They just got purchased by Evernote, which is like a huge win for them, but. Ben Ultimate was like a, that's actually like a really classic example of the kind of work we do. Like Ben started Pen Ultimate. He was number four in the most, like number four highest paid iPad app of all time. One guy living in San Francisco sold it to Evernote. Crazy mm. story, right? That is crazy story. So, <laughs> we wrote his help section, did his support for him. Um, and, you know, he was really, regardless of, whatever the popularity with his app, he really wanted it to have like this small shop mom and pop feel when you actually contacted support. Right. So the majority of stuff that we did for them was, was feature requests. He had this really small lean limber app and he didn't want to bloat it out with a bunch of features, but there's a ton of other note taking apps out there that have all of these crazy features. Right. They also take forever to load up and crash all the time and are crazy buggy. So you have this like trade-off of people saying, well, this one has this and this one has this. And, you know, I sort of perfected working for a different tech company, perfected the art of saying no a lot. And so when I brought it into this doing support for Penultimate, it was we don't want to just sit there saying no to people. We want to actually say we're listening to you. That's a good idea. We see what you mean. And we don't want to be defensive about it and say, well, we could do that, but, which I think a lot of people do. Yeah. They explain their their reasons. Well, they want you for, to vote it up or something like that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the voting up. I think in theory it works really well to make 
people feel like they're being heard, but I would rather just reply to their email and say, you're being heard. You know, I don't know. People like the validation of a thumbs up these days. Thumbs up doesn't really do much for me, but maybe I'm out of touch. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I could like, I mean, it's, it's good for metrics. It's good to understand the popularity of a potential feature, and it's good to gather that feedback, but which is a bad word to use, so I'm not going to say it again. Terrible. I almost yeah. felt you punch me in the face. I'll to hang the, up on you. Uh, I'll hang up into your face. That's how hard the hang up will be. <laughs> so, so, sorry about the uh, the negative feedback there. I apologize. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you voted up, you voted down. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's not yeah. cool. I think that people, if you're building a web app or if you've built a web app, you really need to invest in having a human being writing human being things to your customers, right? So it sounds I, like this is pretty much what, you know, the this is a, a the essence of what co-support is. That's what it is, yeah. we. I don't want to be – I'm not a staffing solution for your seasonal support needs, and I'm not like – we don't just – we're not like a phone bank somewhere that just answers your emails for you. We actually really invest in training you how to do excellent support, and then we get out of the way. My goal is education and training. So the, like, the heart of what that means is I come in and I teach you how to do this stuff. And I tell you, you can't use feedback. And I help you write scripts if you're going to have automated emails. And, you know, if you have someone there doing support, we work with them on language and tone and speed of reply and all the stuff that matters, you know? Like, that's another thing that's, <laughs> that we're really lacking in, too, is so many people are building these apps and they're doing support themselves. And they don't get back to someone for, you know, two days or three days or, or whatever. My classic example of this is the app TurboScan. Do you know TurboScan? TurboScan rings a bell, but I can't recall. It rings a bell because it's a hugely popular iPhone app. You take a picture of anything, turns it into a PDF instantly, and it's like a crystal clear PDF. I mean, it's crazy. And you can email it. That's all it does. It's fantastic. Wow. It's like one of the top 20 iPad or iPhone apps of all time, like productivity apps. It's amazing. Their support I site. I need this. You need it, right? But here's the deal. Their support site is literally turboscanapp.com. It's an email address. And they've since updated it since I started talking about this because I think that they heard I was talking about them. <laughs> because now they have like five frequently asked questions also. But it used to be just an email address, support at turboscanapp.com. They never even reply to their emails. Like I tell people when I'm at conferences, write them an email and tell me if they wrote you back. I've never had someone tell me they wrote them back. I've written them 17 emails since December and I've never gotten an answer back. I don't actually Who's think running this even, business? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I think that if they're in the top 20 productivity apps of all time, that's the standard that we have for these apps in the app store. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. It, it's it's, it's bumming me out just talking about it, honestly. I, I'm I getting sad about it, but the, the app seems certainly great. It, it, you know, Oh, it's the best. I use it all the time. I use it all the time. People send me contracts. I sign it. I take a picture of an email right back in like two clicks. It's amazing. That is amazing. And I, then they can print it out like full size. It looks like like I just signed a piece of paper. It's crazy good. 
Yeah, I, I'm always fumbling with my extended 15-foot USB cable back to my, <laughs> you know, four or five-year-old scanner back there, which I don't want to get rid of because it still works, and I could and totally go and replace it. you have to it. scan something, like, every six weeks, right? Right, and I can't do it via Wi-Fi. I can't scan via Wi-Fi. I can, you know, I can print via Wi-Fi, but I can't scan via Wi-Fi, so i got to get the cable out and put it in, and i got to mess with the ADF thing, which is their automatic document I'm feeder. And it's like, what is that? <laughs> I'm telling you, TurboScan is the equivalent to CVS of the digital age. Like, everybody needs to go to CVS to get something that is only sold at CVS. That's quick, and you can get go in and get it and get out, right? But no one likes to go to CVS. Like, it's a horrible, that's a horrible experience for everybody. Right. But they have a market on it because they know people need it. So why should they improve? So someone is going to come up, build the exact same app, and offer a great experience for people. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. So we'll see. Maybe they'll start answering their emails when, when that happens. I don't know. I gotta bef- <laughs> before we go on from this subject. I'm gonna say this real quick, and before we uh, we don't have we're not running out of time. We got maybe uh, 15, 20 minutes. I would say left on if if you're game for it, of course. I'm game. Okay, I was gonna suggest because we really haven't gotten into your history and what makes you tick and uh, the the story behind Sarah. So I feel like we've gotten a lot of good conversation not about support, support and this fun topic that you're certainly passionate about i feel like we should do a two-parter with you because no way yeah i, I do think so because I, I got a feeling you got an even more fun story about who you are and what got you to where you're at and you've got even I more do. to say but we don't have enough time for all that in this show so i think just to get the listeners excited about the next half of the show um, <laughs> okay. just let you know well, that i'll tell you this i'll give you a, i'll give you a tip i grew up on a dirt road i dreamed of being on broadway and last year, I had to swim through my own vomit in the Virgin Islands. Oh. And that was a life-changing moment for me. And maybe, maybe we'll cover that in part two. In, in, in depth. <laughs> in depth. I think we should. That's what makes me tick. Yeah. So. And, I, and I would totally – that's what I think a lot of people like about this show. And that's certainly what I love about doing the show is that you know, we get to have conversations like this. I mean it's Founders Talk. So it's the, the essence of the show is talking with founders. Sure. It's kind of simple, right? Uh, and that could be whatever. And it could be talking about the thing you're most passionate about for 45 minutes to an hour, maybe even an hour and a half if we can go that long. But, you know, I, I really feel like you've got a, a lot of things to talk about that people really enjoy. And I feel like it would just do you uh, uh, injustice to not have you back on to uh, tell more about sweet. what's got in your story going on. Because there's, you know, you've been traveling with conferences and stuff like that. So maybe yeah. we can save that piece for the, we'll n- save the next that. time. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about what it's been like for me. As a female founder starting a company by myself the past 18 months or so, it's my whole life has changed. But, you know, it's not changed because I've made a lot of money and I'm running a company. It's changed because of my the, the response I've had to those things right. in my life. Yeah. So I think it'd be, yeah, I think it'd be great to talk about some more. So before we go further, just tell everybody that's coming up in part two. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I do have a few more questions before... Before we take the last, uh, the next 15 minutes or so. So um, we're good friends, both of us, it seems, with Alan and Stephen Branch, or uh, Alan Branch and Stephen Bristol, right? They're, they're good friends of mine, and you yeah, spoke at their conference. Yeah, people do that a lot with them. They, they, say, they say Alan Bristol and Stephen Branch a lot. Is that it's right? It's kind of cute. That's the I first time I've done it, and I feel bad now. It's pretty, it's pretty cute. Anyway. But they're good guys, and I almost just, I, I just say the, the less guys sometimes, because yeah. that's how people know them. But uh, yeah. they're good friends of mine. 
um, and you spoke at their conference. And just for a zing, I want to ask this one question because it's it's huh. it's how Steve opened you up, and I know that this is a this is could be a deep fun topic, but it's not going to be. But okay. when he when he opened, <laughs> so you spoke at LessConf 2011. You had a great a great uh, uh, talk planned out, and he opened it up and he said. You know, in the opening to announce you onto the stage, he said that you gave Jason Fried um, all of his great ideas. I don't even remember him saying that, but I can imagine that's that's a pretty Steve Bristol thing to say. Yeah, uh, knowing me and knowing Jason, so I'm not going to necessarily agree with that statement. Um, but I will say, you know, I needle Jason on this a lot because he he's he's so much like my dad in this way intellectually. Where, you know, you can say something to your dad and they're like, no, we don't want to do that or whatever. And then like three hours later, they're like, well, how about if we, and it's the exact same thing you just said. So that was my experience a lot with Jason. And Twist your words (laughs) and say the same thing back. Just say the same thing back and take credit for it. And it's like really funny because like in my normal life, I don't really care about getting credit for things. Like I don't, I, I share my ideas openly. I share them freely. You know, you don't have to quote me, whatever, right? But with him, it's like, really? That was my thing, really? So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say any more than that. Jason Jason knows I'm, I'm, you know, teasing. Well, speaking of sharing ideas, you, yeah. you've, you've once said, screw your competition, build the product, build a better product. Yeah. Uh, and you told the crowd, don't be afraid to give away your ideas. No one's going to steal them. And a few people asked you to elaborate on it, but yeah. Well, yeah. So I, this was actually at MicroConf at a really great tech conference for I guess they call it micro founders. I don't know if they made that up or if that's like a term that people. Uh, they just wanted to put a little TM after is all. That's what it was. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Phenomenal conference. If you next year, please go. Phenomenal conference. Best conference I've been to in a year. Um, Besides the less conf, of course, right. Besides LessConf, yeah. <laughs> LessConf isn't a conference. It's it's a lifestyle event. It's a lifestyle event. That's, I'm sure um, like that, I'm sure. Yeah. So anyway, I go to this thing, and everyone there has an idea, right? Because they're all people who started a company. Or they want, they're there because they, they're investing their own money to start an app, or they're working by themselves. They're just like me. They're founders, right? Like in small stage. Some of them still work a full-time job, whatever. But there were so many people there that were like, well, we're working on this thing. We don't really want to talk too much about it. Or, you know, it's a thing that's going to do a thing with Pinterest or whatever. Right. And so, and I get this a lot too, with like companies that ask me to sign NDAs. I don't sign NDAs. I don't ever sign NDAs. NDAs don't matter to me. Right. They don't matter. They they just don't matter. Like you're not building Facebook. So an NDA doesn't matter to you. But the thing is like, everyone's so secretive about this shit. Everyone's so like, I don't want anyone to know because then they're going to go build, they're going to go build something. They're going to go build a competitor. And it's like, well, yeah, damn right. They're going to build a competitor. If it's a great idea, that's exactly what they're going to do. The race is who's going to build the better product. Right. And so that's kind of where that statement came from that I, I kind of, I have been like, <laughs> it's like my unofficial tagline. Like you'll, you're not going to make money by having the only idea out there. You're not building a Facebook, you're not building a printing press, you're not building the combustible engine, right? You're building an app on the web. So the point of it is for you to build the most elegant and useful and harmless version of that and not worry about other people doing the same thing. 
Hmm. You know, like I said before, we're talking about penultimate. Like there's other note-taking apps out there. There's a lot of them. And penultimate succeeds because it's simple and it's beautiful and it's easy to use. And it does just one thing really, really well. You know, it's not loaded with all these features that you don't know how to use or you have to ask someone how to use. We never got emails asking how to use the app. That was what was phenomenal to me. Well, you never got people saying, what does this button do? It was always so, feature requests and how to make it different? Feature requests and, like, <laughs> I can't download the update. It's saying my Apple ID doesn't work. So it, was all, <laughs> it wasn't really about how to use it. It was just how to keep yeah, using it. Yeah, and it's really surprising. When you build an app that people don't ask you how to use, you've won the Internet, in my opinion. You know, so I think we need to get over this fear of... I'm building the next big thing and I don't want to talk about it. I think we should share ideas. I think we should share ideas openly and freely to everyone, including our employees, to everyone out there. I used to work for a very secretive company and I think that they failed in being secretive about stuff because it doesn't matter if you're secretive, like, <laughs> and you're not like going to surprise everyone with a new feature. Like you're, you're trying to weasel it out there. So nobody yeah, else Apple does can't it. even do it and they're secretive. Exactly. So I think there. I think Apple is secretive on a whole other level. But let's be real. Like, it's like their know. marketing thing now. They're secretive only because it's marketing now. It's it's turned. Yeah. It first was a strategy, <laughs> and now it's turned into. Well, we have to do this because for one, people expect us to do it. Uh, number two, there's about 15 different blogs out there about uh, Mac secrets. Totally. Uh, people are making lifestyles and and incomes based on the fact that we've chosen to be more secretive. And yeah. in the end, it's but, just yeah. I do like that they've stuck to their guns about it because it's cute, you know, but you're right. It's useless. And here's the deal. Sharing your ideas with your customers does not mean planning a roadmap and it doesn't mean promising things and it doesn't mean guaranteeing release dates. It just means we're leaning towards this thing. We're thinking about this, you know, this is on the horizon and this doesn't even have to be like a public thing. When someone writes you a feature request and says, are you going to build X? You can say, yeah, we want to definitely. Right? right, but instead, people say like, "We don't comment on future enhancements. We don't publicly make a road plan for any future requests. We appreciate your input. We won't tell you when the next version's coming out because right. we don't want you to hold it to us. You know, heaven, I want heaven to forbid you, you make me feel responsible about what I'm doing for you to <laughs> give me your money." Right. <laughs> Seriously, and this is the thing. Like in our industry, our industry is so polarized. It's either. Say no to feature requests or bloat out your product. It's either don't give them a roadmap or tell them exact dates of feature releases. Like, why don't we just, like, talk about this like we're having a conversation with our parents and updating them on what we're doing at work. That's it. Totally benign and free of detail. And we just say, I'm working on this. We really hope to get it out pretty soon. I think it'd be really great. We're working really hard on this round the clock. We think it's going to be a great thing. But, you know, right now we don't know how it's going to go. If I'm a customer and I get that kind of email, I'm like, dude, are we friends? <laughs> are you sharing this information with me secretly? You know? So you want your customers to have that feeling, I think. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a good thing. I wish more people would do it. I think they should. And maybe the way that they should do it is by, do they hire you? I mean, are you, are you too small to take on a lot more clients? I mean, what no. is the situation <laughs> with CoSupport? Well, support's a really great, fun company, and we're, like I said before, we're, we're wanting to work more with, like, the bigger companies because we want to spread the message, but we'll always, first and foremost, be dedicated to doing, like, 
small web teams, right? So no, we're not, we're not too small. I mean, we're, we're agile, I think is what they call it these days. I think we scrub. Lean. You're probably lean. We're leaning. Yeah, we're (laughs) definitely leaning. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny because, uh, uh, you know, speaking of Stephen and Alan, they, they recently wrote a blog post just about, you know, running lean, right? Like what, one of their most recent blog posts is about being and running a lean company, what that, uh, what that takes. I mean, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So speaking of Stephen and Alan once again, Stephen and not to keep plugging them, but you know, for the listeners of the show, and Sarah, you might know this because they're good friends of mine. But at the same time, they yeah. actually came on this show. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, they came on and show. that show was the the show of of all shows that I got the most I'm, slack of. I've heard from people, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to go on record and just say that I think with if you know Stephen Allen. You have to take the good with the bad. They're they're unique <laughs> oh. individuals. I love them to death. I don't think either of them would would argue with me and say that they're not unique individuals. They're they're uh, you know blessings to the world in, in so many ways. But I think it was because they are you know they're my is? friend, right? They're my well, no, that's not what it is, Adam. I'll tell you what it is with Stephen and Allen. Stephen and Allen are hunters. Hunters. And if they see an injured deer, they're going after it. <laughs> But they're going after it because they're going to feed their family, Adam. Yeah. They're going to feed their family. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) They're hunters. That's that's good. They're hunters, man. So Stephen and Alan, yeah, I have a great relationship with them. They, the minute we launched Coast Support on February, January 14th, we launched the website, I think. No, maybe we launched it on February 14th. I don't really remember. Not this year, last year, right? No, 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 no. Last year, like 18 months ago. Because this is around, we haven't even really talked about the length of Coastal Port when you started. It's it's around yeah, we started f- a year and I a half, right? Filed, I filed my LLC January 14th, 2011. Okay. Right? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the other thing they don't tell you when you start a company. Like, you're not really going to care about that kind of stuff. It's not like I got to, you know, have a scrapbook for our, our starting date. You just don't, it's all a blur. But anyway, like Alan Skyped to me within maybe an hour and said, we want you to speak at LessConf. I was like, are you crazy? Like you, I haven't, I haven't even started. We don't even have customers yet. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he was like, trust me, we want you to speak at LessConf. So I did. And I mean, I've never experienced two people like Steve and Alan. They, they are Incredibly encouraging, super smart, super talented, um, you know, successful at building businesses. They've got, like, how many businesses now? Not right? even just businesses, friendships, relationships, you know? Uh, well, that's what, that's what makes a successful business yeah. is having a great relationship, you know? Yeah. So um, they're just really good guys. But, you know, I, I think part of that is – I think part of that is they, they can be um, – abrasive but you still love them right when it gets to the point where someone's abrasive and you think he's a dick and you don't want to follow him on twitter anymore and you don't want to hear about his stupid life anymore and you don't want to read his blog posts then that's not good you know when you're sort of like someone's like rubs you the wrong way or like is a like sandpaper person to you because they're they're needling you about something it, it intrigues you right right so, and that's what I mean about the abrasiveness is that they they can they have a unique way to describe how they feel about life, right? <laughs> and, and you you got to take the good with the bad. And it's not so much that it's bad; it's just that it's not it's not politically correct, or it's sometimes it's crash. They got you know off topic oh, jokes, and you're care. like, I don't think they care. They don't care. I don't think they care. 
but um, but that show, it, you know, I got so much negative feedback. Not not so much negative feedback. I just I got a lot of slack from like my my you know where, why would you even why would you air that one with you know all this off topic kind of conversations and I'm like because it was the best one of the best conversations I've had on here and people yeah. tell me I've done really well to fill those calls but um with them but uh I love them to death and long story short all I wanted to say was just that uh episode number five of Finders Talk with the, those guys were just uh, a a fun conversation but at the same time um just you know not one of the yeah. one of the favorites, but the one I got the most slack about. That's really weird, but I can see that. I can I can see how that would happen. And the reason why <laughs> the reason why we've been riffing on these guys for a while now is because in they're they're friends of yours, so obviously they're um, right. they're inviting you to speak at their conference the moment you know you're out on your own, so they they believe in you. And right. they totally they're number one supporters of my of my business and my company in more ways than one, right? Right. They've recently become my partners in my company as well, which is a shock to the industry. Like, I, it honestly is like so shocking to people when they hear it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's totally true. How do- so they didn't buy co support. They, there's, there's no like, this, is, this wasn't some big like acquisition scenario with the VCs coming in, but uh, they are my partners in co support. And just because we got to talk a little bit about this before the call officially kicked off, yeah, totally. describe to me how it began with the conversation between you and Steven. So Steven and I are good friends, although he says that I, I blew him off Uh-oh. to him. I mean, he has, he remembered me um, writing him a support email like five years ago and didn't like what I said and still brings it up to this day. So <laughs> that's, just, that's just not nice. Um, I went to LustComp this year and I've been in business over a year and my whole life had to shift to accommodate my business in ways I, I never expected. Right. And I was at a point where I was, you know, I had toxic relationships and I was confronting people and saying, are you in or are you out? You're out. Okay, done. And I was cutting them off. And it wasn't like this like super bitchy super person coming in and like screwing over her friends. It was like, I need to cut out every single negative tumor of a relationship in my life right now because this business I'm doing is taking all of me, right? And there were times like in January of this year, we'd been in it for a year. And again, like it came and went the, the, the year anniversary of co-support. Like I just was like, wow, I didn't even realize that we've been in business a year. Because hmm. I was so busy working. I was so busy working. Managing employees, shifting employees, getting new customers, closing out customers, speaking. I flew 52 times in a calendar year. That's once a week. (laughs) Yeah. I'm quick on the draw. Yeah, you are. You're really good at that. It's actually like a back and forth. Like I I remember sitting in an an airline terminal at O'Hare and and the United Airlines people called me up over the PA to present me with like these chintzy gold wings and then to, this is like in December, and then they told me that my because they're merging with Continental, my miles were going to expire by January one. So I'm just like it was just like a really like horrible time. And I remember having this conversation with Stephen where he was like, "How's business going? What's happening? All this stuff." And I was like, "You know, I love what I do. I love the passion I have for my job. I love this thing, but I don't like the business side of things. I don't like doing payroll. I don't like doing my taxes. I don't like." you know, signing contracts and creating contracts and all this stuff. I don't like that part of things, you know? And, and I had at that point been having a lot of conversations with 
people wanting to acquire my business. Um, one of them was a very large like VC, like a venture capitalist firm, not the guy I was dating. Oddly, <laughs> <laughs> I've learned my lesson not to take money from people you're dating. But um, he, this venture capitalist was like, we essentially don't really want your company. We just want you. And so we would, our ultimate goal would just be to acquire you as an employee and then send you out to all of our companies and have you train them. And so I kind of had this like, this thing in my mind was like, is that where this is going? Where I just get sold? Like They just want to use you. Like they just want, that's it. And then I just close up shop after a year and take down the posters of my logo in my office. And I'm just an employee. That would be such somewhere. a sad moment. It felt sad even having the conversation to about think the about possibility. It, right? yeah. 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 So I don't know how people go and get acquired or go in and sell their product because that to me was a sad thing. There was huge triumph in me starting my own company and, and keeping it afloat and making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, you got to ask you yourself, know? do you really need a billion dollars? Well, that's the thing. And we'll talk about that in the second episode because that was like a big turning point for me. But getting back to the conversation with Steven, like I told him, like, I just want to do the work and I want to do it well. And I made like an offhand remark with him. I was like, I really wish that she would just come run my company for me. And as anyone who knows Steven Bristol, he said, really? <laughs> Classic. And I, and I was like, well, I mean – Sort of, yeah. I mean, I don't want to do this serious. shit. Maybe. Do you want to do this shit? I don't want to do this shit. Like, I don't want to do payroll. You have to log into this thing to do payroll. I mean, that was the point I was at where I didn't even want to remember logins for things. So um, he was like, let me talk to Alan. Hung up on me. Alan calls me back in an hour. He's like, what did you just say to Steven? And I'm like, well, I <laughs> sort of think this could work. Maybe it could be a good idea. Alan hangs up on me. Steve calls me back. And it was just this whirlwind the next month of, we totally want to see your business succeed. We totally want to see you succeed because you have a great message and you're training people and you're doing like this wonderful stuff and you're creating positivity in an, in an industry that's really like not full of positivity, right? It's full of like this negative kind of feeling like customer service is such a gross, like ugh, kind of words, you know? And uh, the next thing you know, we were partners. They were partners in my business. They came to Chicago and sat in my room and we ate pizza in my house. And Steve and Alan are now partners in co-support and they're making it so much better every day already because they take away from me all the stuff that I don't want to do and I'm not good at. And let me just be good at what I'm good at. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can imagine just the I, – well, I couldn't imagine actually them taking over my business in that sense. But I can see it in this case and just – yeah, it's not even so much as like taking over my business. Well, it was yeah, literally sorry, that's like a bad choice of words. It was dividing out the stuff that I'm not good at. Right. And I'm totally like, I'm at a point in my life and a lot of becoming a founder and starting a business has developed this character of mine where I'm at a point where I can say from the beginning, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I can say I'm wrong. I can say I made a huge mistake. I can say this is not a good situation for me to be involved in. That I think is comes from me having like these growth opportunities or life changing moments or whatever, and so they don't look at that as you're a huge failure of a person because you don't want to remember a login to do payroll. They look at it as let me do it. I'm good at this, right? Right. I'm like I don't even want to log into WordPress to update my site. Alan's like let me do it. Alan does it. It's great. It's a great partnership. Finding people that can you can work with that 
everyone has their own strength center and is like developing that strength center consistently and nobody's like getting in the way of someone developing their strength center, I think is something really lacking in our industry because you never hear of those kind of stories. You only hear of the stories of people selling their products or selling their businesses and then what do they go to? Uh, I love this actually because it's exactly the opposite of the situation you were before where they didn't want to acquire your company. They wanted to acquire you and basically use your skill set to whatever they desired desired for it. And instead, you know, Stephen and Alan, they, they're the, the exact opposite, the flip side of that, which is let us help you on the things about your business you don't like so that you can excel doing exactly what you're doing okay. and be even happier and make more lives better, more products right. better, more support centers better, more – and and this is overall happiness. Yeah. When I talk about – when I go to conferences and I talk about being a founder and I talk to people who are in small stage of starting a company, I say, you know, don't go after money because anyone can give you money. Anyone can write you a check. But the second that they give you money, mm-hmm. they're in control of something, right? Yeah. Go after resources. Can the company that wants to invest in me give me a tax attorney and write me contracts and help with payroll? Can they, uh. you know, figure out a better – hosting system for me can they take over my website for me the stuff that i don't have time for can they be hr can they find me health insurance that stuff i think is way more valuable than i get a million dollars and go work for a company yeah absolutely you know, it, I, mean, I hate to mention my wife again not not because yeah, for any okay. reason but i wife. do i love her. Talk her but you talk about her all the time this is an exact situation she just went through just like just yesterday she just started a new position and so she had a choice she can go left or go right and going left was making you know a significant amount more than she was being offered and it was almost a choice for her too but they the the people offering her more money was essentially your scenario, but not the same. They wanted to to use her. They wanted to use her talents because she had some, um, you know, critical knowledge about the industry, and you know, sure. she was a very good designer. So she already she came with a lot of assets they needed, and they would totally just work her to death like a workhorse and not give her creative rights and all this fun stuff. And and rather than right. chase the money. Um, you know, she was wise and we, we were wise about our decision. And she just said, you know, I want to go with the company that's going to invest in me, that's going to invest in the right kind of health plan that helps me, the right kind of, totally. you know, sure, it's a good salary still yet. It's a respectable salary, but it, it wasn't, it was a, a dip, a big dip if, uh, after the other one, though. Yeah. But, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, I mean, I, I had offers on the tables for a million dollars to shut down my company and to come work for someone. And, but the thing is, is like, I used to work for people who've made millions of dollars, who had millions of dollars in their bank account. I've known a lot of friends who've made millions of dollars. And so I've been able to evaluate that decision making and sort of like, is that really the big benefit here? And we'll go into this in like part two and talk about like when I started making a ton of money, like how (laughs) my life changed and you know, whatever, but I don't want to sound too, you know, philosophizing, if you will, but I, I really had a moment where, and I was at like my depths too. I was ending this relationship with this guy I'd known. We had season tickets to the Bulls and we were splitting them up and that was depressing. Like I was at a low place in my life when I was getting these offers and I still declined them because money doesn't fix problems that you have in your life. Money just throws money at a problem. Right. That, that's certainly true. Let, let's end with um, on that note of money and not accepting things. Let's talk about. <laughs> let, let's close with this particular piece here. And I mentioned a yeah. billion dollars, and I think you know some of the things you might be alluding to is some recent news where you have you know startup Instagram, super small, 
builds this yeah. app. You know, it's super popular, takes over uh, photography on the iPhone, changes the game completely for iOS apps and the marketplace. Crappy support, by the way, FYI, yeah, just, crappy support. <laughs> well, they had just like a landing page for their, for their website, so there yeah. wasn't much there. Yeah, no, like, like TurboScan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But they, you know... How do you feel about what happened there? Do you do you think it was a scenario like you're in where they sold out? No, I think that um <laughs> I don't think there's such a thing as selling out anymore. I mean, that's just really well, what like What I mean by selling out those is, is yeah, what you I said where you would be bummed out about making that decision. I was bummed out about it because I I actually thought that they were in it for they were going to build a company about it, but then when you think about it, how can you build a company about like a camera app that's free for that's free right like they're not making any money off of this they have tons of investors at that point they had over three million dollars in vc funding so they were quite in debt um it's a i was never in debt i've never been in that much debt i've never taken money from anybody so i I don't i think it's a different circumstance if they had been self-funded from the beginning and if they had charged for their app and they had already made three million dollars then I would have been like, that's stupid. Why don't you just keep making money? But we forget that most of the time these people are run, like running on shoestring budgets. They're small teams. They've got investors that are demanding things for them. And when you take investment money, they control the future of your product most of the time. So I'm guessing they didn't really have a big say. I'm guessing that they, they needed to repay investment and they probably at that point were really burnt out on working by themselves on an app um, that was in high demand and they probably just wanted out and I don't blame them. So wise choice, long story short. I think it was a wise choice. I think it was a, I think it was a wise choice. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, it's, it's certainly been fun talking to you about uh, this passionate subject of yeah. support and just – Life in general, absolutely. We should talk about how I was born in a dirt road. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk about (laughs) how you was born on a a dirt road. How your life had to shift. How much your life had to shift due to starting co support. Um, and just negative energies getting away from you and thinking about positive things and whether or not you really need a billion dollars and how a ton of money changed your life and and your business. So we're going to talk about that. In uh, in part two, so that's that's gonna be fun. Did you, did you have fun for part one though? I did. Yeah, it was it was fun. I hope I wasn't too, you know, super conference talky. Nah. I hope I was conversational. Nah. I think I'm okay at being conversational. Like I think I could do speed dating. <laughs> back on the dating <laughs> thing again. Put your single tag back out there. Do it for fun again. No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, yeah, if uh, for the listeners out there, you know, just uh, stay tuned for, for part two. Enjoy this show. Thanks for listening to Founders Talk. And I, I didn't say it when we first started, but, you know, I, I haven't done a Founders Talk show in almost three months, 90 days. It's like unheard of for me. And it, the, what happens, you know, and Sarah kind of tells you through her story is that you know, life kind of happens sometimes. And yeah. since uh, the last show uh, I've gotten married. I got married in Jamaica. Had a lot of fun. So I have a beautiful wife now. Uh, you know, uh, a whole new life to to go on. I started a new podcast. I got promoted to my job. I'm you know, if you go to puretrady.com, you see that one of our headlines is you know changing the world. So I'm doing my best to to change the world and in whatever way I can. So Founders Talk is super important to me and obviously important to you because you're listening to it. 
and uh, I appreciate you listening. And I'm going to do my best to keep producing an awesome show. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. And yeah, thanks to Sarah for joining me for part one. And we look forward to, to part two. So let's say goodbye, Sarah. Bye, Sarah. Thank <laughs> you.